Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Our Bible reading tonight comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 6 and going to the end of the chapter. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Evening, everyone. Years and years ago, uh, years and years ago, Emily and I, my wife Emily and I, were living in South Korea teaching English. And the plan was at the end of our contracts, we're going to move to the USA to be closer to her family. And so what I needed to do was get a visa uh, for the USA. So on several occasions, I had to take the day off work uh, or a day off school uh, where we were teaching. I had to take a, a train or a bus into the CBD of our city. I had to take a train from there for about three hours into Seoul, the capital city. Then I had to take another train from there to get to the U.S. Embassy. Then I had to line up in the U.S. Embassy and jump through these bureaucratic hoops and then reverse the process and go home again. It was about five hours each way. Long day. My one highlight on these trips to Seoul was that in Seoul, there was a Subway sandwich restaurant. Now, believe it or not, uh, the sandwich game in Korea isn't that strong. Really good kimchi, but the sandwiches aren't that great. So I was pretty excited about the opportunity to go to Subway. I loved the chance to get a foot-long meatball sub and then eat it on the train ride home. On this one particular trek, I just had to drop off some paperwork in person at the embassy. That's all I had to do. So after catching the bus and the train and another train, walking to the embassy, lining up for ages, I made it, finally got served by somebody, and I went to hand them the paperwork, and I found out I filled in the wrong form. I know. I know. Some of you have seen Grumpy Chris. This was really, really <laughs> Grumpy Chris. Apparently, there was nothing I could do. I couldn't fill in another form in person. I was going to have to go home and come back a different day with the correct form. And I'm just kicking myself. I'm so frustrated. I'm worried that my boss, who's kind of getting sick of me taking these personal days to go to Seoul, is not going to let me go another time. I'm worried about the expense of traveling across the country on the train. 
I'm just generally frustrated. But my one bright spot, the one thing I was really looking forward to was that I knew a Subway meatball sub was coming. I went to the restaurant. It's generous to call it a restaurant. You know what I mean, right? You know what Subway is, right? Okay. I went to the food place. I ordered. I got my sandwich. I put it in my bag. I went off walking to the train station. I make it to the train station and I start to go down the stairs and I realize about halfway down the stairs there's a homeless man sitting there and he's begging. No, not today. So I just walked right on by. Not today. And I started to rationalize it to myself as I'm walking further into the train station. I mean, my Korean is terrible. It's not like I could even say anything helpful to him. I don't even have any cash on me. There's nothing I can do. I keep walking and I'm about to make it to the gate where you put in your ticket and you get through. And then this voice, this thought crashes into my mind. But you do have the sandwich. No, not today. No, God, not today. And I keep walking. And yet, even as my mind is screaming, no, 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 somehow my feet have turned around and I'm halfway up the stairs again and I'm holding out my foot-long meatball sub with cheddar cheese and chipotle sauce to the stranger. And I wish it was a more climactic moment. I realized I didn't even know how to say Jesus loves you in Korean. I just held out the sandwich. He looked at me, he smiled, he took it. He said, thanks, that was it. I, I turned around, I walked back down the stairs, I went through the gate, I went on my train, I sat down, and I started to cry. I cried out of frustration for my failed paperwork. I cried for this homeless man, but honestly, mostly, I just cried for my sandwich. It can be really hard to be generous, right? It can be so hard to give freely. And there are a number of reasons for that, but I think ultimately that the main reason why it's hard is just this one simple thing. If I give more, I will have less. If I give more, I will have less. You can't give away your sandwich and eat it too. That's just how things are. That's the natural order. It's so straightforward. Even a toddler gets it. That's why little kids hate sharing, because they get it. If you give something away, you can't still have it. If I give more, I will have less. And it's so tempting for me to want to just accept the natural order to just believe that that is always true, to believe that to give is to lose out. But in our passage today, in our, our final passage in this series from 2 Corinthians, Paul has the audacity to suggest the natural order could be wrong, or at least not always true. He says that for Christians, for followers of Jesus, if we give more, we will have more. Paul makes the case that if we live generous lives, we will live rich lives. Let me pray and we're going to dive into how that could be the case. Lord God, we pray that you would help us to understand this teaching. Even more that you would help us to believe it. And we pray that you would help us to live generously and so live richly. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, Paul has been encouraging the Corinthian church 
to give a financial, to follow through on their commitment to give a financial gift to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem who are having a hard time financially. And we pick it up from verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's a pretty straightforward image. Imagine a farmer. He's got seed to plant in his field. If he only plants some of the seed, hooray, he's got more seed to keep, but his harvest is not going to be that big. But if he plants the seed freely, if he uses a lot of it, he's much more likely to have a big harvest. Pretty straightforward, that's Paul's logic, it seems to hold up. But then he says that that is also true for followers of Jesus in how we use our resources. Verses 7 and 8. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all times, having all you need, you will also abound in every good work. Paul's encouragement is it's pretty straightforward. If you are generous for God, God will be generous with you. God will bless you abundantly, ensuring you have all, your, all you need. If the natural order is that when we give more, we will have less, Paul proposes a supernatural order for Christians. If we give more, we'll have more. If we live generous lives, we'll live rich lives. God will bless us abundantly. That's his big idea in this passage. When we are generous for God, God will be generous with us. If we live generous lives, we will live rich lives. But does that phrasing strike anyone else as uncomfortable? Something about it makes me feel a little bit icky. Actually, a couple of things make me uncomfortable. Let me tackle one concern I have right now, and then I'll save another one for later. My first concern is that it sounds like Paul is proposing a self-centered, get-rich scheme. It sounds uncomfortably like what some call the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is a false teaching that says, provided we have enough faith, God's good plan for us in this life, God's ultimate goal for you in this life is financial wealth and physical health. That's God's ultimate goal for you in this life, financial wealth, physical health. And teachers of the prosperity gospel will point to passages like this one and encourage people to, or exploit people, to give to specific causes with the promise that it will make them rich. And I just summarized Paul by saying, if you are generous, God will be generous with you. If we live generous lives, we'll live rich lives. Which sounds uncomfortably close to the prosperity gospel. So let's look at exactly what it means that God will bless us abundantly. Come back to verse 8 with me. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God will bless you abundantly so that you have all that you need. Not all that you want. All that you need. Another way to translate it would be to say we will have sufficiency in all things. We'll have enough. Elsewhere in the New Testament, this word for need or enough is translated as contentment. 
God isn't promising he'll make us financially rich. But he does promise that if we live a life trusting him, he'll make sure that we have enough to be content. And that is an amazing promise. In a world where people are addicted to stuff, where the disease of more and more and more wrecks life after life after life, in a world where discontent reigns, God promises contentment for those who trust in him. That's an amazing promise. But all that we need for what? He promises all that we need for what? Look back at verse 8 again. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. God will bless us abundantly so that we will abound Not in stuff, not in material goods, not in a massive investment portfolio or a beautiful holiday home, but so that we will abound in good works. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. The prosperity gospel has this image of God filling us up more and more and more with his blessings. He fills us up with riches. In this situation, we're like a a dam. We just keep receiving blessing after blessing after blessing. But the way Paul describes it, we're not supposed to be a dam. We're supposed to be a river. God pours into us so that we have the privilege, the honor, the blessing of pouring into others. That, he says, is a rich life. If we live generous lives, we'll live rich lives. But the blessings from God keep flowing. In verse 9, Paul quotes a psalm to show that for those who freely scatter their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. In verse 10, we're told that God will increase the store of our seed and enlarge the harvest of our righteousness. We will be enriched in every way so that we can be generous on every occasion. And our generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God calls us to be a blessing and he promises to bless us even more so that we can bless even more with the result that people will want to bless the name of our God Most High. That's a rich life. That's a life rich in purpose, rich in meaning, rich in contentment, rich in joy, rich in thanksgiving. If we live generously, we live richly. But... Do we believe it? Because deep down, I wonder if I'm more convinced by the natural order. The natural order that says, if I give more, I'll have less. And I'm so afraid of having less. I'm afraid of not having enough. I'm afraid of missing out. And so I just want to hold tightly to what I have. And and sure, give some but not too much, not even close to too much. Last school holidays, Emily and I took our kids to a rock climbing center. And you can see them up on the, the screen. There's my two older ones just killing it. They're doing a great job. But initially, they were, they were kind of nervous. And so I thought I, as the dad, should probably set a good example and go up first. Problem is, I've never gone rock climbing before because I'm afraid of heights. 
So this was a really big step for me. I'd made it 36 years and it all came crumbling down. But, not literally, unfortunately. You know what? Actually, it wasn't too bad on the way up. Kind of like climbing a ladder. Some of you have done rock climbing, you know what I mean. Like, you just one foot in the other as long as you just don't look down, right? Pretty straightforward. Until you get to the top. Because then you've got to do something else. And now Emily had explained it to me. She's done lots of rock climbing. She told me what you need to do at the top is let go of the wall and kick out. And then just trust that the belaying equipment will lower you safely down to the ground. Now, I don't know if I would have done better with other belaying equipment, but this was, is it called True Blue? Is that the, the stuff that automatically does it all for you? Self-belay? All right, it's a self-belaying equipment. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I didn't know this. It'll just, you just trust the machine will lower you. Nobody's holding the rope down at the bottom. That is terrifying. <laughs> and I, my, my kick was very unsuccessful. I just banged against the wall the whole way down. But I had to trust that this belaying equipment was going to hold me. I had to trust it wasn't going to break. I had to let go. And that's what God's inviting us to do here. Because we sometimes cling to our money and possessions the way I'm white-knuckling that wall. And God's inviting us to just loosen our grips. He's inviting us to stop clinging so tightly to the things we think make us secure and instead trust Him to keep us safe. He's inviting us to live generous lives and so discover that the truly rich life is found only in Him. But is He good for it? I'll be honest, there is no way I would ever be the first person to test new belaying equipment. I will let somebody else do that. Because I want to know, I want to see proof that I can trust. But God being who He is, He's already given us the proof. You might remember earlier, I summarized Paul as saying, when we are generous, God will be generous with us. And I said I had two issues with that. The first was that it sounds like the prosperity gospel. It sounds like a a greedy, get-rich scheme. But the second issue I have, I think, is, is more subtle and maybe even more dangerous. It sounds like Paul is saying, if you do this then God will do this. If you do that for God, then God will do that for you. If you do the right thing, the good little Christian, God will reward you, bless you, love you. If you go first, God will hold up his side of the bargain. That way of thinking, we call that religion. Religion is where people do things for a God to try and get that God to do something for them in response. But our Heavenly Father hasn't called us into religion. He's called us into relationship. He's called us into family. And He did it by Him going first. He loved us first. He blessed us first. He was generous with us first. He gave us his son, Jesus Christ, who lived the generous life, who died in our place, who covered us in his righteousness, who brought us into the family, who gave us the life that is truly life. Paul's vision for the generous life, the rich life, is not that we try to be generous and and hope that God holds up his end of the bargain. 
the generous life, the rich life, is God already giving us everything, proving he's trustworthy, and inviting us to live in that blessing as we bless others. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He blesses first. He blesses all along the way, and he blesses at the end. Our generosity isn't about us trying to persuade God. It's not about us trying to repay God. It's just how we get to live out the rich life he has for us. If you aren't yet a follower of Jesus, and you want this life, you want a relationship with God, you want to be blessed by him and be a blessing for him, you can just tell him. You can just talk to him in prayer and tell him that you're sorry you've been clinging to other things and you want to trust in Jesus from now on. And that's it. If you do that, you're brought straight into the family. Your new life can start today. If you are a follower of Jesus, but you also realize you've been clinging to that wall instead of to him, if you want to truly live this life of blessing that God promises, if you want to be a river and not a dam, tell God. Ask Him to help you loosen your grip on stuff. And then, I think then for you, it's time to do the scary thing. It's time to kick out from the wall. It's time to do something practically to put your trust in Jesus. Our Thanksgiving Day is an easy example of what this could look like. But God doesn't just call us into a generous act. He calls us into a generous life. So whether or not you've given to this, I just want to push this aside now. What else could you do this week that would be a generous act that might snowball into more generous acts? What if you ask God to convict you of an additional thing you could do this week? Maybe there's a different organization completely disconnected from St. Matt's that does amazing work that you want to contribute to and not tell anyone else. Maybe you can think of a rough sleeper in the city that you walk past on the way to uni or on the way to work that you'd actually stop to and chat with this week. Maybe you're a high school and you're thinking, ha joke's on you, Chris, I have no money. What if you, I shouldn't point just at these, what if, what if you all cooked dinner for your parents this week? That's a generous thing you could do. Maybe you could do. Uh, what if you ordered the pizza? Uh, what if you so generously in another capacity because you want to declare it to, to God and to yourself that you trust his promise and because you want to live the rich life that he offers? It's probably been about 11 years since I gave away my foot-long meatball sub at the train station. And given how costly it felt at the time, I asked myself this week, how many times in the ensuing years have I regretted that decision? You probably guessed the answer, right? It was just a sandwich. But it became a sandwich to the glory of God most high. And God has continued to meet my every need. It's sometimes hard for me not to just trust the natural order. 
that when I, I give more, I have less. Or when I'm thinking clearly. When I'm not being controlled by fear. I'd rather live the generous life. I'd rather live the rich life. I'd rather follow my generous King Jesus, knowing that in Him, I have all that I need. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. God, we thank You so much for Jesus. We thank You that He really is all that we need. And we pray that You would Give us the courage to let go of the false things we cling to, thinking they'll keep us more safe. And instead, we'd be willing to grab a hold of Jesus with both hands. We pray that in your kindness, you would bring us into the generous life so that we can experience the rich life. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm Congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatts.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.